Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to another episode of Hands in Motion. On this episode, we are joined by April Cowan to discuss grant funding that the American Hand Therapy Foundation has to offer. Did you know that there's funding available not only for research, but also educational purposes? And there have actually been many years that this money isn't even awarded because people aren't applying for it. April shares with us the various grants that are awarded by the HTF, how to apply, and how to make your application stand out. Welcome to Hands in Motion, April. Hi, April. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Kara, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> All right. So this evening we have April with us. And April, would you mind giving us a little bit of a background about who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, and kind of how you got involved with AHTF? Okay, sure. Thanks for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk to you about not only myself, but the foundation. I'm April Cowan. I'm an occupational therapist by background. I've been that way for 30 years. I've been a CHT for 19 years, almost 20 years. In my clinical life, I've worked in acute care, outpatient, a little bit of inpatient rehab, pediatric burn rehabilitation. And now I'm on faculty at UTMB and there I teach musculoskeletal practice, especially relevant to upper extremity conditions and and management. And how did I get onto the foundation board? Wanting to grow and develop and contribute to my profession. And I had a friend who said, come on, (laughs) you have some spare time. Don't you want to contribute? And I said, yes. So here I am. (laughs) And what is your specific role on the board? Yes, I am the current director of grants. So I have a small committee that I work with and we promote our grants. We accept applications and then establish a peer review process in advance of awarding funding for for chosen project. So I understand that the application I guess, window will be opening soon. So that's what we kind of wanted to talk to you about on this episode, just to to really highlight these grants and find out who's eligible for these grants. So tell us, I guess, let's start first with what are the grants that the AHTF offers? Sure. We offer three research grants currently, and the largest of that being the Tri-Alliance grant honoring AHTF. SHT founders. This year for the coming cycle, it's going to be awarded up to $45,000. So something that's a little bit new this year that has gone through the committee and made a recommendation and then been approved by the board is that up to 20% of a funded amount can now be applied towards salary compensation for a primary investigator or potentially can be used or budgeted for getting an IRB or an ethics approval. And that is definitely new for our grants this year, but that will run across the three research grants. As I said, the Tri-Alliance grant is our largest grant for the coming cycle. This is a grant that can be a single researcher or a team of researcher, and all that we're looking for is just really a significant contribution to the practice of hand therapy, whether to the general knowledge base or what interventions work or don't work or what assessment tools should we be using. 
So as you said, the application window opens January 1, and we will accept applications through March the 1st. And then after that time, they go to a peer review process. We have two other research grants. We have the Grab the Evidence Grant. It's experienced researchers, but it's really someone who wants to develop a project for like a pilot grant or seed funds to lead to a larger, more fully powered type study for the coming cycle. It is fundable at up to $15,000. So again, this one will allow you the opportunity of budgeting some of your funds towards PI salary or IRB approval. The other research grant is the Burkhalter grant, and that's for new investigators specifically. So people that have never had any kind of award for a funded project, we're looking for individuals like that. And it is also $15,000 for the coming cycle or up to $15,000 for the coming cycle. So the process is pretty easy to apply. You can access all of the application materials to the website, so ahtf.org. Who is eligible? There are some specifics to each of those research grants, but overall, are there some overall requirements or eligibility to apply for these grants? Sure. Great question. Grant eligible people are occupational or physical therapists who are clinicians, but we also accept proposals from graduate students or faculty that are at accredited educational programs, ideally occupational therapy or physical therapy programs. And at least one member of the research team must be a member of the American Society of Hand Therapists. Those are the general requirements for our grants. I know you said the application process is fairly easy. It's online. So for example, me, for example, I've never applied for anything. I go to the website and just, is it that easy just to fill out the application or are there submission requirements that go along with that application? Sure. Another great question. We have a grant application form that is filled out, and that's pretty much just fill in the blank on the form, including bits and pieces from your proposal for your project. We also have another document that outlines specific requirements. For the most part, it's just making sure that you fill out all of the forms and that your your plan is comprehensive and easy to follow. As far as going to the website, I don't want to mislead the listeners. When I say it is an electronic process, we're not fully electronic yet. So you download the information, complete the forms and templates, attach your proposal, and then you send it to me at an email address. So grants at ahtf.org. And you can send it to me. And then I do a cursory look at it just for general content and structure, and is everything there that I need to be there? And then I'll send it on to a panel of peer reviewers, and then they make the ultimate decision. So once you get approved for one of the grants, is there a restriction on what the money can be used for within your research project? What would those restrictions be? Well, as I said, what's new this year is that we will cover some indirect costs that we may not have previously covered before, like primary investigator, a portion of their salary. So for the Tri-Alliance grant this year at up to $45,000, that means that up to $9,000 could be allotted toward covering of salary or getting an ethics approval. Don't necessarily pay for overhead costs that may be requested by a university for research projects. 
there's really not a whole lot that I've seen in the budgets in the last five years that we've said no to. Sometimes we ask for more justification about why that's specifically needed, but we will fund things like incentives to recruit subjects or materials that are needed to implement the study or assessment tools that might be needed to carry out the study or calibration of existing tools that you would like to use in your study. Those are pretty much what we will cover. And we definitely look at things on a case-by-case basis. So if a project is really intriguing enough or has the potential to seriously or significantly contribute, then we'll look closely at those things and we'll ask for more information. We'll reach out to the authors or the proposed researchers and ask them to tell us a little bit more about that area that seems not quite as clear as we might like. So what makes... For your committee, what makes an ideal candidate or an application really stand out to your committee? First and foremost, just is the application complete? Have they really considered all aspects of their project and and sort of not only have a solid implementation plan, but maybe even a plan for if they might encounter some challenges that where they might need to adjust their plan a little bit? We look for things like that. People that communicate really well are appreciated and responsive when we ask for for more information, if that makes sense. For the Burkhalter grant, for example, we do look to see if they are novice and if they've ever had something else awarded. So that will be a consideration for the Burkhalter grant. For the Grab the Evidence, if, if the reviewers deem that it has the potential to lead to something larger, that's a positive consideration for that grant. And really, For the Tri-Alliance, the peer reviewers are going to look for something that really will solidly contribute. You know, certainly everyone that writes a proposal is is invested in the project that they've, they've had in their mind, you know, and so we do try to take that to heart. And generally, if something's not clear, we ask for more information. Does your committee say that you, there's maybe a novice therapist or novice researcher who is interested in applying for, you said the Burkhalter? Does your committee offer any assistance in just completing the application? Because I think that can be, as a, I would consider myself a novice researcher, that seems sort of daunting to think about, oh my goodness, I've got this kind of a small window of opportunity to apply for this grant. Where do I even start? I agree with you. I think it is a daunting process when it's a completely new thing to someone, you know, something that they've not tried before, not attempted before. Absolutely, we will answer questions. And if if someone on the existing committee can't assist, then we have a database of sort of our expert reviewers, and we can reach out to those individuals as well. But as far as the simple mechanics of completing the application, people can reach out to me directly, and I'll gladly assist. I'll answer questions. I'll offer insights. We don't formally do it, but we have talked about, wouldn't it be nice to offer some sort of a a pre-review before somebody actually submits a proposal or an application? We just haven't gotten around to sort of ironing out the details of that, but we definitely will answer questions or assist in any way that we can. So when I was looking through some of the grants, besides the three that you mentioned, there are some other smaller grants that maybe not necessarily for research, but those persons or therapists that are interested in hand therapy. Can you elaborate a little bit on those as well? 
Yes, thank you for giving me that opportunity. One of the other funding opportunities that we have is the Evelyn Mackin Grant for Educational Travel. This one is up to $5,000 for the award cycle. And this is for someone who's going to travel to an underserved area and educate clinicians about hand therapy. We are especially looking for things relative to the use of technology or telehealth or even virtual visits at this point in time. The application window for that one is actually April 1st to June 1st. It's also accessible. The information for it is accessible through the website. And then we have two smaller educational scholarships, if you will. One is the Janet Albrecht Memorial Scholarship, and this is to assist an individual or a clinician who wants to attain their certified hand therapist credential or to a small amount of funding toward post-professional education, like a clinical doctorate or a philosophical doctorate even. That scholarship, the funding is available up to $1,000, and it has the same application window April 1st to June the 1st. We also have the Ida M. Stern at Research Education Scholarship. This one is up to $500 of funding. And this is for the clinician who specifically wants to target some education or continuing education on research skills or research methodology. And so, again, that one's up to $500. Same window, April the 1st to June the 1st, if you're interested. And again, all documents to apply for these are on the website. The other two that I would really like to mention, and we just got the go-ahead on one of them to continue this grant. We've only offered it for one year, but it is a collaborative grant between the American Foundation for Surgery of the Hand and the American Hand Therapy Foundation. This is a grant. It's a $20,000 grant for a one-year project between a physician and a hand therapist team. It can be any sort of topic, whether it's a surgical intervention or therapy-related topics. It's technically administered by the Foundation for Surgery of the Hand, but it is something that the Hand Therapy Foundation collaborates in. And again, that one is up to $20,000 of funding. It does have a fairly strict timeline criteria, though the project has to be completed within one year's time. The application window for that one is through the American Foundation for Surgery of the Hand through their website, and that is January the 1st through the end of March. The other opportunity that I would take this chance to mention is the Mary Cash Hand Therapy Certification Scholarship, and this actually is administered through the Hand Therapy Certification Commission, and it's funding for up to $1,500 for becoming a certified hand therapist, and that window is January the 1st through May the 1st, very similar to um, our research grants. So those are all of the opportunities that the foundation has available. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are really unaware of the availability of some of the monies. Um, you know, I went back and looked through some of the awardees for the the grants, and I noticed that there weren't ones listed every year. There is some gaps there, and what happened? Like, did people not apply or? <laughs> Very astute observation. Uh, Yes, there have been years when we have not received applications. And there's also been some years that we've received applications that just did not pass the peer review process. And so then we just didn't fund. And that is part of the reason why the Tri-Alliance grant is up to $45,000 for this coming cycle, because it hasn't been awarded for the past two cycles. Normally, the Tri-Alliance grant would be $15,000. But again, it hasn't been awarded so that the money just rolls and collects. And then so we hope to give that, that grant away this year or in 2022 for sure. Yeah, that's a nice incentive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
And I think that people are just unaware of the opportunities for the monies that are out there. So that's kind of why we wanted to have you on our episode, just to inform everybody that there is money out there and it is available. And I mean, yes, the process sounds daunting, but you know, I think if you're getting rewarded that money at the end, it would be well worth it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It would take a little bit of effort, but ideally you would have already mapped out your proposed project in your mind, if not on paper, before you sit down to do the application, because you really do need a proposal or a almost done proposal to be able to do the application. So you've thought about your project and most of us have ideas or things that we think about. And I know that we get caught up in our daily routines and our work, you know, we don't necessarily think about the other opportunities that we have available to us. So I think you mentioned this, I guess now IRB approval is not a requirement to apply for the grant, or is that a requirement to apply for, for this funding or for these grants? So in general, we say that an IRB approval is required. We have run into some instances where clinicians worked at places that they couldn't even request IRB approval without showing proof that they've attained funding, but I think that that has been the rare occasion in my experience. What we do want to see is that you've thought about the ethics of your project and in the very least requested an IRB review of your project. It could be that your project undergoes review and it's deemed that it, it's exempt from IRB, that it, it doesn't involve a significant risk or, or potential for harm to anyone, so it doesn't require IRB approval, or maybe it's it's, it's something where the information is de-identified and there's, there's no way that you would ever know who the people involved are. But some cases do need IRB. Like I said, at the very least, we just want to see that you thought about it and that you went through the process at your facility to determine whether or not you, an IRB is in fact needed. We have funded projects that maybe were phased projects. So the first phase of the project wasn't going to require IRB, but the later phases would, but we were funding the early phase. so. It really is case by case. So I have a question about, I know we've talked a little bit about the research ones, but kind of jumping back to the other, I guess, opportunities. What is the application review process like for some of the other grants or other fundings that aren't the research bent? Sure. It's not nearly as rigorous or, or daunting as the others. I think they are brief, personal statements, who you are, why you need the funding, what will you do with the hand therapy certification or advanced education. We don't convene a panel of experts to review those research grant ones. Those are reviewed by the committee members, and right now we have four. So we sit as a group and kind of read through them and see if there's consensus or not, and if there's not consensus than discussion until we decide on award or, or do not award. But it's basically a personal statement for those that there is an application that's online for them. Something that strikes me at this moment, though, but it is, is more certainly relative to the research grants, kind of going along with requirements. If you are awarded, we ask for dissemination efforts. So either 
submit a manuscript somewhere, ideally to the Journal of Hand Therapy first. Even if they decline your efforts, we ask you to go there first. Uh, We also ask for attempts to disseminate at the American Society of Hand Therapists annual meeting. So it could be a poster or a panel presentation or an oral presentation, but we ask that those efforts be made. Is there a timeline on that or is it just at what might be considered completion of your project? There is a timeline, but it could vary. If you propose a three-year project, then certainly by the end of the project, but really it's within a year of completion of the project because depending on when you get started, might impact on when you finish. And if you've missed the call for papers, then it might, you know, so you might be slightly delayed. But we also fairly recently have been really working on our post-award follow-up just to make sure that information does, in fact, that projects get completed and that information does get disseminated. So we we have a person now who reaches out every six months and asks for status reports. And so we also have a process where by if, let's say with the onset of COVID, some of the projects have been delayed. And so we have been giving extensions to the the original timelines that were proposed so that people can continue and and finish their projects. So you know that up front, like say somebody has a project that they're expecting to last through a year. So they're taking in subjects and then over an entire year, and then they'll run through their project another year and then another year to like data collection or analyze that and then produce their results. So you're well aware that, Hey, this money that we're awarding in 2022 might not be presented on until 2025. And that's well accepted among your committee? As long as it makes sense for the project, for it to take an extended period of time, I think the majority of the proposals that we see come in with a timeline of a year or slightly more than a year, maybe a year and a half. But it would truthfully depend on the design and really what the individuals are trying to to do, what they're looking at studying. And some of our most recent extensions have just truthfully been because they aren't able to recruit subjects just because life hasn't been normal, you know. So we've been giving extensions for that and we'll give extensions just in general as needed. That's where that open line of communication comes in. So I know you mentioned earlier that you your group convenes and y'all look through the different applications. What is that process like? What what are the the steps that your committee takes when you're looking at these applications and making that decision to award award the funds? Well, if it's a research grant, first and foremost, I look for volunteers that have expertise in that area and then may not be surprising to you, but we hold Zoom calls to have discussion <laughs> that we do have sort of a grading form or rubric, if you will. So ideally, I send out the applications in a blinded fashion to the reviewers and I ask them to, I give them about two weeks to three weeks to read them. Then we meet as a group and we answer any discussion. We kind of work through the strategy strengths or challenges of the projects. And then ideally, if we have a consensus, it's pretty easy because then we can say, all right, so they asked for this much money. Once we agree to fund, then we come back as a group and decide the amount of the funding. It's not necessarily a given that exactly what is asked for will be awarded. Um, 
But we make every attempt to get as close to what the researchers are asking for as possible, as long as it makes sense. That's why we try to have experts do the peer review. So people that actually know that content area or work in that area or do research in that area. And more often than not, we we reach consensus in that meeting. (laughs) Sometimes we stay on time. Sometimes we don't. (laughs) Sometimes I have to take a break and come back. But yeah, so once everybody agrees and we think that we have a fair award, then we compile all of the feedback that was given into one cohesive document. And that's provided to the applicants with their award letter or their, their letter of notification, whether it's award or do not award, but we do provide feedback to everyone that makes an application. Oh, nice. So if they have a desire to apply again, they might have a a stronger application the next application cycle. That's our hope anyway. That's helpful. (laughs) Whether they apply to us again, or if they take the work to another funding source, you know, I think the input is, is helpful, I think. Although I did speak with someone recently who told me that she felt like some of the feedback was a little bit contradictory. I think that's because you have, you know, five people who all have slightly different ideas sometimes than Yeah, we don't necessarily send all of the feedback that is received. We do try to put it into something that's, you know, wouldn't be too overwhelming to read in one sitting. (laughs) And then when are your research grants awarded or when, when is that announced? I know it takes quite a while considering that the window for application closes March 1st. Typically, we're meeting as the peer review groups by May the 15th. Ideally, I report to the board on June the 1st, our recommendations, but the Tri-Alliance grant, by virtue of the fact that it is funded by the three organizations, that award has to be approved by the American Society of Hand Therapists and the HTCC board before it can be announced. So I make the formal recommendations in June, then the information for the Tri-Alliance is taken to ASHT and HTCC in July. So we try to announce in August and then typically it's very shortly after there that the treasurer releases the funds to the awardees. So by August, by September 1, you should have your money. Okay. Because that award is from the Tri-Alliance, do the other two organizations have any input other than that final acceptance? Do they have any input as to who is awarded that grant? Yes, there are liaisons from both organizations that participate in the review. So, yeah. And then the chairman of the Hand Therapy Foundation actually is the one that takes the matter before their two respective boards, so ASHT and HTCC. So our our chairperson, Jim King, he's the one that will take that information forward. And then the other awards that y'all offer, when are those typically awarded? I know that the window of applications a little, little later. It is, but ironically, I feel strongly that they probably are awarded around the same time because the peer review, you know, there's not as an involved peer review process. So they go to June 1. Yes, I probably make the, the formal recommendation on July at the July board meeting. So they would probably be awarded in August. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I hadn't thought about it, but yes, that's, that's probably what happens. <laughs> well, it makes sense if there's less of a rigorous, that the review process isn't as rigorous, then it would make sense that they might align at the same time. 
Well, Stephanie, can you think of anything else or April? Is there anything that we haven't touched on that we should to highlight, especially since the application process is coming soon? Yes. What you said sort of did spark something in me. If I could go back to the research grants for just a minute for the Burkholzer and the Grab the Evidence, those grants are usually up to $10,000 of funding, but for the coming cycle are up to $15,000 of funding. And the reason that is, is that we have had a very generous donation in the name of Doris and Slack, and she gave a significant amount of monies to the foundation. And it's through her donations that we can actually up the amount for those two grants. So that's why they're more than $10,000 for the coming cycle. And that actually is supposed to to work in perpetuity, I'm told, so that there will always be a little bit of extra funding to tack on to other grants. Now, this year, we've been publicizing that for the coming grant cycle. One of the other uses of the Slack funds, though, are also occasionally to support the scientific session at the American Society of Hand Therapists. So that's another use for the funds from Doris and Slack. I just wanted to acknowledge her. And Absolutely. Her, yeah. her kindness. Absolutely. And I'm sure everyone thanks you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And is appreciative. Well, and actually, I know people won't hear this or they'll be listening later, but today when we're recording is Giving Tuesday. So if anyone is in the giving spirit right now, especially with the holidays and everything, I know that the HTF would greatly appreciate your donations that helps to, to fund these different grants too. Yes, that is our primary source of funding, our our donations from clinicians and, as you said, caring individuals. And we we definitely make it easy. There's a big donate button on the website. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty obvious. Can't miss that one. Nope, you cannot. There might be more than one even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, April, we really appreciate you being with us and explaining these grants. I feel like I have a much better understanding of what's involved and even just what the funds, because I think sometimes, I think that's my biggest, like, what can I use this money for if I don't have a lot of overhead? Or I think that's one of the the biggest things that I learned with our discussion is what what the money can be used for. So I appreciate you reviewing all this with us. And hopefully our listeners will, will start applying when that opens on January 1st. I sure hope so. Thanks for having me. It was Thank nice to so be able much. to share. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on the ASHT website and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music and Spotify. Once subscribed, please rate and review the podcast to help us reach new listeners and continue offering valuable, relevant content. Oh, and don't forget to apply for those research grants January 1st on the AHTF website. You've been listening to Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast. Thank you.